0: Well, good morning. It's great to be with you today. What a beautiful day the Lord has given us. Hopefully you didn't blow away on the way in. It's quite windy today, that's for sure. Well, uh, I don't know if you've ever eaten at Cozy Inn here in Salina. Raise your hand if you've ever had a Cozy Burger. Anybody? All right, lots of people. Okay, well, I'm guessing we might not uh, agree on this question. How many of you like Cozy Burgers? And okay. And how many of you don't like cozy burgers? There's some two hands up on some people there. Okay, great. Well, hey, uh, I, I had an opportunity a number of years ago to eat at cozy's. It's the only time I've ever eaten at cozy's that tells you anything about my experience. So uh, I was on a trip with some students and it was a bunch, it was a guy's trip and they were like, Oh, we're going through this line. We got to go get cozies. And I had never eaten it. And so I was like, sure, I'll try anything once. Wasn't a huge fan of sliders. I do like burgers, but not sliders so much, especially at that point in my life. And so I was like, Hey, let's go, let's go do it. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. So we go to cozies. We, we pull up and they're like, you got to get the full experience. We got to go inside. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I didn't know. So we go in and sure enough, we got the full experience. <laughs> so we order our burgers. And of course they're like, oh man, you got to do the large value pack. And I'm like, I don't know if I can eat all that, but I'm hungry. So, okay, let's do it. So we, we get our food and we go to the picnic tables outside there. And we, we, we eat our food together. And I'm like, all right, I'm, you know, not so bad. Okay. And, uh, and we get, and then we get on our way and I'm just like, all the way back to the, to, to where we were going. I'm just like in my mouth. I'm just like, what's this coating in my mouth? It's just greasy and oniony flavor and just it wouldn't go away. And I got home and, uh, you know, I was like, man, I stink like cozies. What is this? So, you know, I get my clothes in the wash and I take a shower. And you know, theoretically, things are getting cleaned up. But I get out of the shower and I'm like, I still smell cozies. It's, it's still hanging on. And so for three days... I tried to get the the cozy smell off of me and I realized I was like, I've washed my clothes, I've taken showers, what is going on? Where is it coming from? And I realized it was coming through the pores of my skin. Yeah, I was just sweating out the grease and, and the smell and I was just like, it just keeps coming. And I just kept scrubbing and washing my hands and taking showers. No matter what I did though, I could not get rid of the cozy smell until it finally just went away on its own. I could not clean up the inside of myself and get the cozies back out on my own. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that. Well, I suppose you have if you've eaten a cozy burger and many of you have, but we all, whether you've experienced that or not physically, we have all experienced that reality spiritually with sin. Paul tells us in Romans three twenty three that we have all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. And sin is the condi- is is this condition in our heart that, that uh, is, separates us from God that is comes things that come between us and God and that, that that's what separates us and keeps us from being in right relationship with God. We all have this sinful nature and there's nothing we can do on the outside to clean up the sinful condition of our heart. There was nothing I could do to wash the cozy away. I just had to let my body process it, right? We have to let Jesus work on our hearts. Anytime that we try to cleanse our hearts from the outside, we miss the point that God cares about the internal condition of our hearts, not our external attempts to purify ourselves. And that's exactly what Jesus addresses with the Pharisees and the scribes in this passage that we're going to dive into today in Mark chapter 7. So I invite you to turn there. Um, this is uh, the next installment, so to speak, of our series on adventures in missing the point. And we're looking at this uh, passage and this story of these Pharisees and, and scribes that really miss the point on sin and, and, and what it means to be pure and holy and clean and forgiven, and so we're going to dive in today. A couple of things that you need to know before we jump in: the book of Mark is written by a guy named John Mark, and he was a a, a colleague of the apostle Paul. They had interactions together, but he was also a contemporary or, or at the same time as the apostle Peter. And so this gospel is Mark's gathering of a lot of. Peter's account, which he then knit together into this gospel story we have today called the book of Mark. And so I like this, this book because it's short, sweet, and to the point, and, um, but, but Mark has a specific goal as well. His goal with this is to communicate who Jesus is as the Messiah, His goal is to communicate that Jesus did not. Well, first, that Jesus is the Messiah. But secondly, that Jesus did not come to be a conquering king that the the Jews expected. Instead, he came to be a suffering servant. He came to serve the lost, not to be served. So he's articulating Jesus's identity, his lordship as Messiah, but also his identity as Messiah. And another uh, thing you need to note as we jump through this passage uh, is that he's writing to a a Gentile audience primarily. And so in this this first section, the first five verses, we're going to see that Mark takes an aside to explain some things about Jewish culture and the Jewish religion which he wouldn't, an author would not need to write if he was writing to a Jewish audience because they would already know these things. But Mark takes a second to to help the reader, the Gentile reader, understand why there's tension in the story. And so, uh, so those are a few things to note as we jump into this. So let's start with verse 1 of chapter 7 and read together. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem, gathered around Jesus, and saw some of the disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. And here Mark takes his aside to explain. He says, the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, of pitchers, and kettles. So Mark is explaining what what, all these ritual things that the Jews do before they eat and what it means to be pure in that sense, to be clean. Verse 5, so the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands. There's two issues that the Pharisees are bringing forward in this moment. The first is the actual handling of food. The Pharisees are saying, you guys aren't washing your hands, therefore you're eating with defiled hands, therefore you are sinful. You're unclean, you're defiled. And then the second thing is that they were disrespecting the elders in the eyes of the Pharisees They're saying, hey, there's these rules that all of our our parents, our grandparents and all of these generations have have followed. But you're not honoring those. What what's going on with that? We don't understand. And seeing them really as disrespecting the elders. So there's these two issues that they bring forward. The interesting thing is that These rules, if we notice, Mark articulates this carefully. He says, these are the traditions of the elders, not something found in Scripture. You see, what they they had done is they had taken the the rules that God had set up for Aaron and the high priests and the Levites, who who were the high priests, to cleanse themselves before they entered the Holy of Holies. But they took those rules and said, no, we, we should all do these things all the time in and, and everything we're going to do. Every time we should always do all of these rituals and things. And they, they set them up as hoops to jump through, not as uh, tools to use to help us deepen our relationship with Jesus. So I think that the intent was probably good. Say, hey, the Pharisees have to do this or the, the, the high priests have to do this before they enter in the Holy of Holies in relationship with God. And so so maybe we should do those things, too, so that we can be right before God. But that's not the point, because that's not where sin exists in our lives. The Pharisees had an outside understanding of sin, an external understanding of sin And so Jesus responds in verse six, we read, and he leans on the prophet Isaiah. Jesus often responds to the Pharisees with scripture, right? And so here he does the same thing. He says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. Ouch. Jesus is just straight out there with it. (laughs) He says, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain Their teachings are merely human rules. And here's the point that they missed. Verse eight, Jesus says, you have to let go of the commands of God, or you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Jesus is saying, "Look, you've you've gone way too far. You've you've let go of of what God actually commanded, and instead you're holding on to things that have been done this way uh, without questioning it, and it doesn't have any actual impact in your relationship with Jesus." The Pharisees missed the point. They lost sight of God's original intent for His commands, and Jesus calls them hypocrites. Ouch! Like. It's no wonder they wanted to crucify him a few chapters later, right? He's uh, just attacking, not attacking, but he's confronting their entire understanding of how to have relationship with God. At the end of the day, though, they elevated human tradition above the commands of God. And not good. And Jesus illustrates this. He says, look, you're, you're coming at, at us and, and the, and the disciple, me and the disciples for, for not honoring the tradition of the elders by washing our hands, or washing our hands and things before we eat. But we're just, uh, we're just eating food. You guys, if we're gonna talk about and compare, you guys are, are doing the same thing, and you're doing it probably maybe even worse. And Jesus says uh, in verse nine, he says he continues and he's a little sarcastic here. He says, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your, observe your own traditions you can kind of hear that sarcasm come through there a little bit. Verse 10 for Moses said, honor your father and mother and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father and mother is Corbin, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father and mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition you, that you have handed down. And you do many things like this. You do many things like like this. this isn't the only thing. So what's happening here? I want to unpack the meaning of Corbin so you kind of see what's happening. Corbin was this rule that was set up to uh, give people the opportunity to set aside land and any money they might make from that land to be set aside for the temple. And that sounds really great. Like, yeah, let's give more money to support the, the church, right? The temple at that time. That is great. Except there was an exception to say, you can set this money aside and use it for the temple instead of using it to honor your mother and father. And so there was this uh, benefit, right? There was this outward benefit to say, oh, look, I'm giving this, this land and this money to, to the temple. Uh, but then there was also a benefit for the Pharisees and, and the, the, the leaders. They're going to gain financially from this. The temple is going to gain financially from this. And so what's happening, what Jesus is illustrating is the hypocrisy that the Pharisees allowed this rule of Corban to supersede the fifth commandment to honor your mother and father in order for financial gain. So Jesus is like, you can't do this. If you're going to call us out for disrespecting the elders, you guys are disrespecting the elders as well. And in verse 13, he says, you nullify the word of God by your tradition. You nullify the word of God by your tradition. We can't, if you're going to teach us the word, we can't follow you in that if uh, if, if we can't trust you with it. And then Jesus turns to the crowd and he continues in verse 14. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them rather it is what comes out of a person that defiles them this is the bullseye G, the, the pharisees missed the point uh, above in verse 8 and they let go of the commands of god and are holding on to human traditions but here jesus articulates the point that he wants them to get verse 15 that nothing comes nothing outside of a person can defile them by going into them but rather it is what comes out of a person That defiles them. This is the bullseye. The outside cannot make the inside impure or sinful. And as usual, the disciples are like, huh? And don't uh, don't quite get it. So verse 17, after he had left the crowd and entered the house, he's hanging out with his disciples. And they ask him about this parable. And Jesus is like, are you so dull? You don't get this, he says. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. And in saying this, Mark clarifies, Jesus declared all foods clean, even cozy burgers. (laughs) And then Jesus continues what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. And he gives quite a list. Things like sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, slander, arrogance, and folly. I skipped some. Malice, deceit, lewdness, envy. All of these evils, Jesus says, come from inside. And they Defile a person. See, the Pharisees had an outside-in approach to sin, purity, and holiness based on religious tradition, which led to a theology of works-based salvation. They thought their external condition and that their and their actions would contaminate what was on the inside. But Jesus flips that. He flips the script, so to speak. In this interaction by articulating his inside out on reality of sin and approach. Jesus spoke to the internal reality of sin and taught the disciples that the condition of the inside, the heart, is what defiles that which is outside See, we go back to the list that Jesus has here and we think about theft. If you want to steal something that comes from something in your heart that has an unhealthy, sinful desire to have something that someone else wants, probably jealousy perhaps might be motivating that. If you're committing adultery, that comes out of something in your heart that isn't right and therefore you're seeking something outside. And what you do out of your heart impacts the relationships connected to that adultery. If you murder someone, you are committing something outside your body, but it starts with the condition of your heart. What happens on the inside impacts the outside. So the solution for sin, for, for purity, for holiness is not to change your external behavior or circumstances, First, like the Pharisees thought, if we do all these right things, then we'll be clean. We, we can't serve more. We can't give more money. We can't be nicer. We can't act or look more perfect. We can't dress the right way, pray more or, or sing more worship songs or read our Bibles more to cleanse the sin in our hearts. None of those things, though great, good things to do, none of those things can purify us. We can't change our circumstances. We can't change jobs or move to a different city or, or change schools or even change religions to get away from our sin. None of those things, which our, our culture often suggests for us to do, none of those things can erase your sin or make you right before God. In all of those attempts, your sin will continue to follow you. Instead, only the solution—the only solution—to receive is to receive the forgiveness and grace that comes from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This week, uh, Thursday and Friday, we had the opportunity to take some middle schoolers to Kansas City on a fun getaway weekend. Finally, able to do a trip again, which was great. We're in McDonald's in line for lunch. And when you take a youth group to McDonald's, you have a long line, and others come in. And this gentleman came in, and uh, we offered for him to go first in front of us. And he was like, No, I'm 84 years old, and it's my day out of the house. I'm good to be at the back of the line and just enjoy my time out of the house. We're like, Okay, great. So he and I kind of struck up a conversation uh, as we were winding down our time inside McDonald's and um he asked, you know, where are you guys from? What's this group? And I explained that we're a church youth group and from Salina and he's like, "Oh, that's so great. I'm a born again believer. I go to church every Sunday. That is awesome." He said, "I'm Filipino and when I was a young boy in the Philippines, uh, everything that I learned about how to be saved and how to uh be have have salvation was to was works-based. We had to do all of these good things and uh all and serve people and, and all of these things. And then one day I was watching TV and there was a TV preacher on and he talked about the free gift of salvation that comes from Jesus that we don't have to do anything to earn it, that it's just free and it's out there. And he said, that's a better deal. <laughs> and he took that and he said, I took that deal and I've been following Jesus ever since. And I said, that is awesome. Praise God for that. I said, now you made it into my sermon. <laughs> See, first John one, nine, John tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to purify us from all unrighteousness. It's confession, confessing our sin and receiving the forgiveness that comes from Jesus. It's not our works that save us only by confessing your sin and receiving forgiveness from Jesus. Will you be made right before God? And we have to face the reality of our sin, though. We have to like, come up against the, the, the reality, the sinful reality of our hearts, if you've, especially if you've never done that. I remember a time in college, there was a, a, another guy and I li- that lived in the same dorm as me, and we decided that we need, would be accountability partners. We both had things we were wrestling with in our lives, and we just needed wanted someone to, to pray with uh, on a regular basis and to be able to talk and confess things to each other. So we each had a journal that we would write in, and we would meet once a week over lunch or coffee and, and share what was going on that week in our lives. And I remember uh, this one week, I, for whatever reason— the Holy Spirit was just putting in front of me all of the junk in my in in my heart, all of my sin, and my journal entry was a lot like the list that Jesus lists out here at the end of uh, or in the, at the end of our passage. Just all of these big things that I was just like, I'm sinful, I'm a liar, I'm a cheater, I'm a, you know. And I was like, I wasn't actually doing necessarily all of those things, but I was just faced with the gravity of my sin and the, the depravity of my of of my my life, and I was just. Up, needing an opportunity to confess those things. And so my friend is reading my journal entry and he's going, dude, this is heavy. And I was like, yeah, I know. I just need to get it out. And that's what confession is. It's getting it out. And then he reminded me, hey, you need forgiveness. And I was like, yes, I do. And he's like, you need grace. And I was like, yes, I do. And so, we prayed together and I was able to, to just confess all of that and then, and receive the forgiveness that came from Jesus. And so I was grateful for him speaking that truth into my life and being like, dude, these things might be on your, on your mind, but, but that's not how Jesus sees you. He sees you in a much different way. You just got to talk to him. And he's reminded me of that. And I was so grateful for that moment. But what, what was really great is that then I just felt this weight lift off me. And I just felt free again. And uh, I'd been following Jesus. I'd been a Christian and going to Bible school and learning how to be a pastor. And, um, and all of those things. So it kind of felt like, why am I dealing with sin? I shouldn't be. But I'm not any more perfect than anyone else just because of that. And so there was that reality for me. I just was able to just exhale all of that, confess it, and it was lifted off. And then what's great when we do that is that the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And we start to see things come out of our lives that we might not have expected otherwise. In Galatians 5, Paul, the Apostle Paul, talks about the fruits of the Spirit. When the Spirit is working in us, we start to see things coming out of us like love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are all things that, that help us be who God wants us to be. And these things might begin to play out in our, uh, in our lives. The internal reality and change of our hearts will begin to impact outwardly the relationships that we have. Your marriage, our, our relationship with our kids and our parents, our coworkers, maybe your boss. Our attitudes begin to change. We begin to be, be more positive, more loving, more humble. Fill in the blank on what that attitude is. And then even our behaviors begin to change where instead of a list of things and hoops to jump through, like giving more, serving more, reading your Bible more, going to church more, instead of those being to-do lists to check off, they become things that we're excited about and passionate about. Reading our Bibles more and serving and worshiping, all of a sudden, instead of those things being to-dos, they become just exciting activities that we can do to out of response, out of the internal change and transformation in our hearts and lives. It's the inside reality of your heart affecting the outward reality of your life, your outward actions. And that is an incredible thing. We all have sin in our life that needs to be confessed at one point or another. And the good news is that Jesus's forgiveness is always available to us night or day, 24 seven. But even right now, I wonder if the Holy Spirit is stirring something in your heart, in your mind that you need to confess. And maybe you've never even started a relationship with Jesus. Maybe your relationship with Jesus has been focused on works, on what you do, No, but you can't earn it. And maybe you would like to stop, kind of get off that wheel and And enter into relationship with Jesus and receive his forgiveness, which is free, just yours because you ask and receive. So I want to give you an opportunity to pray together. And to pray, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, made him the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And if you have, but there's something going on, I want to give you an opportunity to pray and confess your sin as well. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity. To come to you today to be reminded that there's nothing we can do to make ourselves right before you except receive the forgiveness that comes from you for our sin. And so if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you want to do that today, I invite you to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge my sin I know that I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I confess to you that I have not been right before you. And I want to receive you. I do receive you into my life to be Lord and Savior. I give you control of my life. Thank you for your forgiveness and for your unconditional love for me. And if you've got something on your heart or mind that the Lord is pricking your heart right now, I want to invite you to confess that to him. So pray this, Lord Jesus, I come before you right now. I come humbly And I know that I have this sin in my life and I need to confess it to you. And so here it is. Go ahead and fill in the blank. Jesus, thank you for hearing my confession. Thank you for loving me and for forgiving my sin. I love you and I honor you and I'm so grateful for you. Jesus, thank you for hearing our prayers, hearing our hearts and for transforming lives today in this moment. Thank you that you are active in our lives. And that you do transform us and renew us. You bring healing and hope and restoration and redemption to the broken areas of our life. We thank you and we praise you for that today. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.